Anyways, guys, happy Sabbath to everyone. It is good to be here in the house of the Lord. It's good to see this many people here as well. Uh, I wanted to start out real quick the, uh, the message just because, uh, you know, there's been so many changes that have happened in the past 40, 50 years, uh, and we're arriving into where we are today. I think a lot of this stuff um, also is inevitable as we age, but uh, I found this quite humorous. But, uh, you know, comparing 1980 to 2020, 40 years in the making, in 1980, maybe you guys can relate to this or not, in 1980, a lot of us had long hair. Today, we're longing for hair. Okay? In the 1980s, we were hoping for a BMW. Today, we're simply hoping for a BM. In the 1980s, we would used to rock out to the Rolling Stones. In 2020, we're dealing with kidney stones. In the 1980s, maybe we would go to the disco. Not so many people here because you're Adventists. Today, we go to Costco. And you know, as we see the transitions, as we see how our life has evolved, one thing that never changes is simply how good God is in our lives. It's simply how God has led us in this life. So without further ado, my friends, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being here. Father, we are all so COVID fatigued at this point. In fact, we don't even want to talk about it. But at the same time, Lord, we realize that in this area, in this stage, in this season in our lives is a necessary fire that we all have to go through. And Father, as I am here, as I am pouring my spirit to you, O oh Lord, I am reminded that no matter what fire brings, no matter what uh, the valley of the shadow of death brings, Lord, you are there in our midst. You are there in the middle of all of us. You are there in the fire. You are there. You never abandoned us this whole time. So this morning, I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I pray, Father, that whoever it is that needs to hear this message, that they may hear your message, that the Holy Spirit can convict the heart, because today we want to listen to your voice. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we pray these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Let everybody say, Amen. I want to start out this... Uh, am I still kind of... Okay, we're still doing some technical difficulties. Thank you very much. You know, as I think of... Uh, I did this already with a little bit of the PCAS students already. But there is a popular term happening today. Uh, it, when it comes to the sports world. And that term is the term GOAT. What does it mean to be the GOAT? Simply put, GOAT is an acronym that means greatest of all time. And there's some debates on who the GOAT is in every sport. 
We think of, for example, hockey, and we immediately think of a Wayne Gretzky. Any hockey fans around here? Not that many. Okay, some of you. We think of baseball, and we think of, anybody want to give it a shot? Babe Ruth, the babe, the sultan of Swad, the king of Crash, and all those goofy names. We think of football, and that one's debatable, because there's a lot of uh, patriot, uh, not so much fans here, but most people would think that it would be towards Tom Brady. I happen to agree. We think of basketball. But some people will say LeBron James. And quite honestly, both of you are correct. And if you're thinking LeBron James, I'm going to pray for you, all right? <laughs> we think of my personal favorite sport, soccer, or the real football. And we have none other than Pele, the Brazilian superstar that has won three World Cups in his lifetime, a feat that nobody else has acquired. But then there's a particular sport that I'm sure nobody here ever watches, and I hope you don't, but for some reason it was ingrained in our culture as time went by, and it is, even though I know and I get it, and some people will say, well, that is fake and you're definitely right, but when we think of the term sports entertainment, or in this case, wrestling, okay? We think of different people, but if I had to pick the GOAT, Anybody want to give it a shot who they think they might be? Some people will say The Rock. Some people will say, uh, you know, different, obviously, wrestlers. But it goes back to one, the iconic Hulk Hogan. The man who would make the flexing be famous, do the pose and all that. But one of the things today that actually brought me to his, that brought it to my attention was Hulk Hogan, whenever he needed some energy, whenever he needed a little bit of a boost in front of a crowd, he simply did this number. He needed to listen in order for him to be recharged. Today, we're going to talk about simply what it means to listen to God, what it means to hear God's voice. And I don't know about you, but I want to listen to God's voice every single day of my life. And so because of that, I want us to turn right now to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. It is okay in this technology-driven world to also turn on your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, to give you a preface on this story, we have a story of a prophet. A prophet who was being persecuted. A prophet who was also running away. A prophet who was basically running away from a very evil woman that he was not married to, by the way. And a prophet, my friends, that was constantly wanting to know God's will for his life. So as we hear this story, 1 Kings 19, we're going to start in verse 11 here. When you're there, please say, praise the Lord. And if we can put it on the screen, that'd be great. I'm running from the New King James Version. Excellent. Man, you all knew the one that I was going to use. And then this is, you know, resuming the whole story in, in verse 11. 
we have the prophet Elijah having a conversation, and he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. This is the Lord speaking to him. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, this is my favorite part, came a what? A still, small voice. Some versions say a whisper, a gentle whisper, a gentle blowing sound, etc., etc. I want to point out first and foremost that I find it so interesting that the Lord used natural disasters to point out that he was not, his voice was not in it. You know, we think of the wind. I don't know about you, but this past week, we heard a lot of that. And I don't know about you, but I thought it was pretty darn loud, don't you think? I was in my bed, sleeping, all of a sudden, and that simply wakes you up. Yes, the wind can be loud. After the wind, an earthquake. Anybody here has experienced an earthquake before? Raise your hand. Okay. It's not so much about what you hear, but also what you feel. It's such, a, you know, it's such, a, such an event that you kind of you get shaken by it because you don't know what's going to happen. Those of you that have lived in California know exactly what I'm talking about, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, oh, fires that have been started by things such as gender reveal parties, etc., etc., they can cause a lot of damage. But the Lord was not in the fire. But then after the fire came, that still, small voice. That still, small voice that I think a lot of us today, they, we still want to hear. Maybe some of us today, we don't even know exactly what that looks like, what that feels like, what that hears like. See, we see, my friends, so many examples in the Bible of God speaking to the prophets, God speaking to different people in general. In fact, you didn't necessarily need to be a prophet for God to speak to you. You simply needed to do one thing. You simply needed to listen. Because the fact is, my friends, is that God speaks to us in many different ways, but to really hear God's voice, we really need to quiet our souls and open our ears. Go with me to Psalm 46.10, a psalm that we've read many, many times. Psalm 46.10 is one of my favorite psalms because whenever you know, life seems to be going in a certain way that I don't think it should go, I'm reminded that I am not in control. I'm reminded that he is in control and he tells me through this psalm that he is the one that is in charge of everything. Simply put, after we hear the still small voice, Psalm 46.10, it says, Be what? And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me ask you a question. Is the lifestyle that you are presently living allowing you to be still and know that He is God? Are you too busy 
to really stop and hear God's voice. Thank you very much. Sorry. Thank you, by the way. Are you really busy to really stop and listen to God's voice? The fact is, my friends, is that until we slow just a bit down and simplify life, all we will experience is simply religion and not God. See, I don't know about you guys. I, I personally, I'm a big fan of exercising I'm a big fan of going to the gym. Back in the day, one of my favorite exercises was the treadmill. Anybody can relate. By the way, the treadmill, you know, some people prefer to run outside here in Florida in the scorching heat and the humidity. Sometimes the treadmill is nice because you can stay in one place and listen to whatever it is you're surrounding. Well, I noticed something in particular because there was a time in my life where I was a very avid runner. So I am there in my treadmill trying to challenge myself while I was in the gym. I love the treadmill because I could watch my favorite show in the TV. I could watch the news. I could watch anything that I wanted. And it was at a certain volume so, so long that I kept it maybe at like two miles per hour, three miles per hour, hey, you're walking, it's kind of a brisk walk, and you could see and you could hear what was happening. Well, one day I decided to uh, challenge myself, and I said, okay, I'm going to go up to five miles per hour, getting a little bit faster. Six miles per hour, sure, why not? I went from six to nine miles per hour, and I was huffing and puffing, and I noticed that I was going faster and faster and faster, the treadmill actually reached 12 miles per hour, and I decided that I would go, and on top of that, I would raise the incline of the treadmill. And so I am there, and I am listening, and I am huffing and puffing, and I noticed that the faster that I went, the less that I could listen to my surroundings. I noticed that the faster that I went, the less that I could hear what was happening around me. The thing that, and I, could, I could actually still see the TV screen, but I couldn't hear anything anymore. And in fact, I raised it to the incline, and this was very stupid. I'm sorry, and, I just, and I, I'm going to confess this. But I raised it to the incline, and I went so hard that I ended up collapsing on the treadmill and falling off from it. Yeah, that hurt. Because I thought I wasn't challenged enough. Because I thought that I actually, you know, thought that by going faster, I was going to be more effective. You know, in a lot of ways, I think that we do the same thing with God. Because we like to go fast. We like to keep busy. We like to pour our things into things that don't really matter. And we forget that God is the one that is telling me, how about you treat that treadmill like you treat me? How about you walk with me? You don't need to go as fast. Come, let us reason together. God is saying and inviting you every single time, every single day to walk with him and to actually slow down. Because life is already hectic as it is. Life is already hard as it is. You want to know how hard life is? Ask the first responders today. You want to know how hard life it is? Ask the veterans that went 
and they gave their service to this country. You want to know how hard life it is? Ask a church treasurer. Lord, have mercy. When we listen to God's voice, when we slow down, we remain connected, and we can see clearer God's will in our lives. It's simply a cause and effect. When you spend that time with God, you know a good thing is coming. Like when you can just tell that something good is coming your way, you know, you know for a fact that, yes, this is God that is going to do a miracle in my life. You know, it's funny because, um, you know, I look at my son, Joshua, which I don't know if maybe he's watching right now because my mom actually came and he, uh, you know, he's watch, he likes to watch his daddy. Whenever he watches his daddy preach, he says, Dada, on the screen, Dada. Well, you know, Joshua, obviously I love being a father. I love being able to just interact with him and notice the different things that he does. Well, you know, one of the things that I particularly, my wife and I noticed about Joshua is when he has to um, go. When he has to go, I personally notice that he gets on a certain pose, okay? Pardon me if I'm getting a little too graphic, but it's not the one, the one that you guys think. When Joshua is about to go, I know what's coming because he does a certain pose. I actually like to call it the football pose because what he does is that he's walking around and then he does this. It doesn't end there because he actually ducks his head and you know he's going because then he tilts his head and he goes, <sighs> I know what's about to come. And let me tell you, I love that little boy with all my heart because I know, I know him so, so well, I'm so connected to him that I know in a lot of ways what he's going to give me. And today... Today, I'm telling you, well, and I'm not just talking about that, I'm talking about in general, but we are here because, my friends, we want to have that type of relationship, this type of connection. See, looking back at the story of Elijah, a prophet that was being chased, he was depressed. Anybody here ever countered depression? I know I have. You got depressed because you get, you know, you, this is a man where, where he was so depressed that he even prayed to the Lord, Lord, please just take my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do over here. I don't know what is my purpose in this life. I don't know what it is because I'm trying to do your will and then for some reason life rewards me by simply being persecuted. And it is interesting because it is our, in, our, in our lowest points that God himself speaks to us. It is in our lowest points that we think that we can't do anything else, that God is pouring his voice on us. You know, the key to the Christian life, to all that search for it with their whole heart, mind, and soul, whenever we spend that time with God, whenever we listen to God's voice, whenever we stop, the devil's power is simply broken. It goes beyond doctrine. It goes beyond outreach. Do you personally sense the presence of the invisible God with you? And today, I have to tell you, 
that when also whenever we spend that time with God, whenever we are closer to God, whenever we are constantly connected to God, God also convicts us to get rid of the things that are impeding our walk with him. Turn with me right now to 2 Chronicles 33. The story of Manasseh. 2 Chronicles 33. And follow me as I read here. We're going to start from verse 10. 2 Chronicles 33, starting in verse 10. And we can put it on the screen. And it says, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people. We can all relate to this, by the way. But they would not, what? Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before God of his fathers and prayed to him. I want to stop right there and then we're going to continue the story here. But it's funny because the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not what? That tells me, my friends, that before we're even listening, God is already speaking. Before we even open up our ears and our hearts, God is already talking to us. But they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carrying him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, I think, I think, I think this is funny, by the way, because it's not until we're also in that affliction that we say, Lord, help me. Ah, oh, I know I've been there. He implored, let's finish, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him and received his entreaty, heard his supplication, brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God after this, he took action. He built a wall outside of the city of David on the west side of Gihon and the valley as far as the entrance of the fish gate and it enclosed Ophel and he raised it to a very great height. Then he put military captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. He took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars, all the altars that he had built in the mount of house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he cast them out of the city. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed on the high places, but only to the Lord their God. So many lessons that we can take just from this text. We already talked about how even before they were listening, God was already speaking. We saw also that when we don't listen to God's voice, well, we basically take the road ourselves without any help. We also see here that it is only, or mainly I should say, in the affliction that we implore to God. And then we humble ourselves greatly before the God of our fathers. But then the part that I really want to resonate here is that after he implored, Manasseh took action. He needed to do what he needed to do. He had to get rid of the things that impeded him from his relationship with God. He had to get rid of the things that got in the way of him and God 
And then finally, it got to the point that they sacrificed on the high places, but only to the Lord, their God. Our cycle is very similar. We do what we think is right. We do what we want to do. God is speaking. We don't listen. Tragedy happens. We come back, and then we implore to God. After, I like to think he's saying, you know, I kind of tried to tell you, but hey, it's okay. We can still work through this. At the same time, after we implore, we humble ourselves. Things, for some, you know, things, God brings things back together. But if I was to add my own twist to this story, we go back to, this, to the way that things were before. We want to hold on to the things that keep us from really having an experience with God. I'm going to ask you something today. What is it that you're holding on to? Is it a relationship? Is it a habit? Is it a friendship? Whatever it is, God is also saying here that in order for us to hear God's voice, we need to get rid of also the distractions. It is not possible, my friends, to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally mature. In fact, I read the, this morning Peter Scazzaro, author, maybe you've heard of him, of the emotionally healthy church, the emotionally healthy Christian, and he gave some characteristics, my friends, of what the emotionally mature Christian should look like. He says, I am deeply convinced that I am loved by Christ so that I don't inappropriately borrow that love from others. This is the emotionally mature Christian. I love my neighbor as I love myself, embracing my singleness as I bond with others or in marriage, giving first priority to my spouse and children. I am able to leave my family of origin and function as an inner-directed separate adult. I am deeply in tune with my own emotions and feelings. I am also able to listen with empathy without having to fix, change, or save others. I can speak clearly, honestly, and respectfully on my own behalf. I can express my anger, hurt, or fear without blaming, appeasing, or holding grudges. I value my own dignity as a human being being made in God's image through self-respect and self-care. I walk in community while respecting each other's uniqueness. I can receive criticism without becoming defensive. I can state my own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. I live in truth, not pretense, spin, illusions, or exaggerations. I embrace my limits as a gift. I am able to negotiate respect and celebrate differences. And I am willing to initiate and repair relationships as much as it is possible when they have been ruptured. When we listen to God's voice, 
that spiritual maturity develops in us. We learn that as a whole, we are more loving individuals, or we should be more loving individuals, especially to the ones that see things differently than we do. When we listen to God's voice, we only should compare ourselves to Jesus and no other person. We need to stop excusing behaviors because somebody else has something like it or something a similar behavior, and therefore it kind of gives us an excuse. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever done that? Well, you know what? I know I kind of have this issue, but have you seen that person? Mercy. But God is saying, like the prophet Elijah, I am not in the fire. I am not in the wind. I am not in the earthquake. I am in that still small voice that I want you to hear. I am in that still small voice that happens mainly when you spend time with me. I actually want to close with this little story. And this actually happened back in the 1700s. The story was of a, a man, a father and his son. They were actually traveling at that time from New York to Massachusetts. When they were traveling, it was, by the way, December, around, you know, it was around the time of December, and um, a particular thing happens in December uh, around 5 o'clock. Does anybody know what happens in December around 5 o'clock? I'm sorry? It's the sunset. 5 o'clock, 5.30. Actually, if it's in Massachusetts, it's as early as 4.45 sometimes. They got close to where they needed to be, but they didn't quite make it. And so they stayed, uh, they, they actually stayed in a house that, uh, you know, somebody had left for them. But that night, there was no power, there was no electricity. And so, uh, you know, they just say, okay, well, we're going to have to kind of, uh, you know, walk our ways through it. They didn't have any flashlights, they didn't have any lanterns or anything like that, because it just kind of happened all of a sudden. Back in the day, my friends, they didn't have these. They didn't have Fitbits, they didn't have Apple Watches, they didn't have even a wristwatch. What did they have back in the day? Anybody can, does anybody know? They had pocket watch. In fact, those pocket watches, you would be, you know, you'd be considered kind of rich if you actually owned one, right? This particular pocket watch that the father had was carried from generation to generation. So his father had given it to him, and therefore he was planning to give it to his son. And... Lo and behold, obviously it carried a lot of, uh, you know, family history there, so he wanted to make sure that he always kept it. But, you know, one day, you know, that night when they were there, they were actually trying to look. They had just enough light, but still the rooms were very dark. And, you know, lo and behold, he actually tried to take his pocket watch out, and he dropped it on the floor. When he dropped it on the floor, he started freaking out because he said, Oh, goodness, you know what's going to happen over here? Uh, what, if a, what if a mouse takes it and takes it with him to his hole or something like that? I don't know. So he was actually freaking out, and he was actually crying because that pocket watch itself was now lost. He couldn't find it in the dark room. The son comes, and he sees his father crying. And he says, Dad, what's wrong? He's like, Son, a pocket watch that I was going to give to you, I unfortunately lost it. And I know we can wait until tomorrow, but, you know, for me, just the grief of knowing 
that is not going to be in my hands for the, past, for the next 12 hours. It's just simply something that I don't want to put up with. And he says, well, Dad, where did you drop your pocket watch? He said, in that big living room right there. And he said, okay. So the son goes. Mind you, he's 10 years old. Son goes. Two minutes later, he comes back with the pocket watch. He found the pocket watch. And so the dad was shocked. And he said, son, how in the world did you find my pocket watch? He said, dad, it was super easy. I went into the room. Yes. I sat down. Yes. I closed my eyes. Yes. And I listened. And the fact is, my friends, God is speaking to us all the time. God is talking to us all the time. But are we listening?